Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week's Torah portion is among my favorites because it contains a reference to an important but an obscure concept that describes how God often works and because that concept is also connected to coffee, in Israel at least. The concept is expressed through a form of the Hebrew word hafach. Can you say that with me, hafach? My favorite form of the word is hafuch. Let's try that together, hafuch. Sandy and I learned that form of the word years ago in, in Israel when we were at a cafe in Jerusalem and we wanted to order cappuccino. And so we tried all these different forms of saying cappuccino and got nowhere. It turned out that the way to say cappuccino in Israel, at least at the time, was Café hafuch. Café is easy to understand, right? Coffee. Hafuch means upside down. And so it was upside down coffee. I think what, what that meant was you put the hot milk in first and then the coffee on top of it rather than the coffee first and then the milk into it. I think. <laughs> but we like the word so much that it's, it was interesting to find out that it is a concept in the scriptures about how God works. He can turn things upside down. And if cappuccino is cafe afuch and that's good, then when he turns other things upside down, it can also be good. Now, I have to tell the truth. Coffee is my drug of choice. Second would be chocolate. How many, how many are on the coffee side? And how many are on the chocolate side? Yes, and those of us who like coffee and chocolate, not necessarily together and mixed up, but you love them both. And how many of you are ready to leave right now and go have coffee and chocolate? I probably shouldn't have mentioned it. Hafuch, hafuch, upside down. It's a word and an idea that also describes how the Lord often works. He turns things up, upside down. And the idea hafuch and upside down and, or flipped or overturned, you could even say overrule, overruled, it's expressed in one passage in this week's Torah portion and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 23 verses three through five in the English, four through six in the Hebrew. So if you have a Bible with you, I always love to see people's Bibles. How many have a Bible? Good for you. How many have the Apple version of the Bible? Or any of those? <laughs> Deuteronomy 23. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the congregation of the Lord, nor may any of their descendants down to the 10th generation 
ever enter the congregation of Adonai because they did not supply you with food and water when you were on the road after leaving Egypt. That's the first reason. And because, that's the, coming up, the second reason, because they hired Balaam, Balaam, the son of Baor from Pator in Aram Naharaim, to put a curse on you. But, but, Adonai your God would not listen to Balaam, rather Adonai your God turned the curse into a blessing for you, because Adonai your God loved you. And where it says he turned, it uses a form of that word hafuch. In, in this case, it's yafuch. You want to say that with me? Yafuch? It means the same thing. He overturned it. He turned it upside down. He flipped it. He flipped the curse and it became a blessing. And I love this idea that God can overturn or flip things. Uh, something that's meant for evil can be overturned. It's sort of like spiritual judo, I think. Evil plans can be flipped. God can even take difficulty. He can take adversity. He can take bleak situations, even calamity, and he can bring good out of it. And not only that, God can work in ways that are absolutely unthinkable or unimaginable or impossible or even unpopular. Now you might say, unpopular? Yes. What do I mean by that? Ways that people don't like. That's what unpopular means. And maybe you've had a situation where you wanted God to work one way, and in fact, he was gonna work and did work another way. How many have had that experience? You have to learn how to pray sometimes because sometimes we pray our will and we want God to do our will. We want to tell God what to do. But you know what? He wants to tell us what to do. He wants our hearts to be aligned with him. He wants us to abide with him and to allow his word to abide in us so that we can learn to ask according to his will. So let's, let's think of situations that God has turned upside down and brought good out of them. He took a barren couple, Sarah and Abraham, who were long past the age of childbirth and long past the prime of life, and he used them to bring forth a covenant son, Isaac, Yitzchak, and a covenant people, Israel. The Lord can take a nation that's persecuted and enslaved as he did when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he used them to show his might and his power to set free. He can take a sick person or a blind person or a person with no sense of hope or future, and he can turn everything upside down, and that actually turns everything right side up. 
and he can bring glory to himself and joy to all who serve him. And I think this is reflected in a very familiar statement. It's not a biblical statement, but it's something I think we've all heard. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Have you ever heard that? It, it's from Proverbs chapter 92. I'm joking, because there is no Proverbs chapter 92. It's not in the Bible, but it, it's one of those ideas that I think most of us uh, have had some experience with that God can do things in, in mysterious ways, in surprising ways. An example, he uses the weak to reveal his strength. He uses the few to show his great power. Another example, Joseph saw this. He said to his own brothers, you sold me into slavery. What you meant for evil, God turned into a great deliverance. And where it says that in the Hebrew, it's using that same root word, hafach. It's a hafuch moment. It's an, God overturned it. Joseph is saying to his brothers, I know what you did was evil. I know what you meant was evil, but God got his hands on it and he overturned it, and he's brought a blessing out of it. He's brought deliverance out of it. Another example, the coming of Yeshua. God taking on human form, God cloaking himself in a human body, that, that's a hafuch moment. It's not what people expected. It's not what people imagined. It was upside down. Another example, and this was a hard one for the disciples of Yeshua, it was the suffering of Messiah. The death, the burial, the resurrection, those were examples of hafuch, turning something upside down. The disciples argued with Yeshua because they understood Messiah should be victorious. And their idea of victory was very limited. It was not the idea that God himself had. And they had to make an adjustment. And that adjustment involved recognizing that Yeshua going down into the grave was part of him coming up from the grave. It wasn't just a loss that he died. It was gain. It was a victory. He suffered, and he turned all the evil intentions and all the evil plans that were against him, he turned them upside down. He flipped them, and through Yeshua's resurrection, God overturned and defeated the power of sin and the power of death. Yeshua, Messiah and Lord, took on death and sin so that we could be redeemed from them both. I've talked on a number of occasions about a, a time when I had lunch with an Orthodox rabbi who was sort of unorthodox, but he was Orthodox by training and mentality. And a common friend had uh, introduced us and arranged for this time together. And the, the rabbi said, I can understand why your friend believes 
Yeshua is the Messiah. He said, Jesus is the Messiah. But you, you're a Jew, how could you? And I said, it's worse than you imagine. I not only believe he's Messiah, I believe he's Adonai. And the rabbi went, I said, see? And he said, it's impossible. And I said, are you sure? And I don't think you'd ever been asked that question. I said, because if it's impossible, you have now discovered the one thing God cannot do. Are you sure God cannot come down and take on a human body? And this rabbi said, well, it's possible. And of course, I chuckled like you are right now. And I said, be careful now, because everything you were saying before depended on it being impossible. If it's not impossible, if it is possible, then it's just a question of fact. Is it true? And I said, here's the problem, it's true. And of course, you know, I gave him a spiritual headache (laughs) in a good-natured way. But this idea that God can do things that seem impossible but are not, that God can do things because he's sovereign, he can speak and call things that are not as though they were. He can speak and bring his word to pass. He can heal. He can lift up the falling. He can deliver. He can resurrect. He can do all these things. We declare all of this when we are de- when we're praying in our he- with our traditional Hebrew prayers. We are declaring how good God is, how he uses his might to restore, how he keeps faith with us. We declare all of these things, and they're all true. They are facts. And yet, there are times when we have to remind ourselves that this is the nature of our God. That he is not waiting for us to vote on what he can do. He's sovereign. And when we put ourselves in the position of bossing God, It just makes us foolish before him. Thank goodness he's merciful. Everyone close your eyes for just a second. Trust me on this. Um, I know some of you will have to squint. You're going to have to open your eyes because you can't trust me yet. But trust me. And, And you don't have to do this in a way that everybody can see it, but just so that you can see it. Have you ever prayed something because you wanted it and you knew God didn't really want that? And if you did, you can like raise your finger, your thumb. I'm raising my thumb. Okay, you can open your eyes. Okay. I wasn't looking to see how many of you have prayed this way, but from my experience, most people have. We've prayed things that really weren't what God wanted to do, but we wanted to tell him what to do anyway. And he did not answer us with a yes. 
Here's another way of asking it. Have you ever prayed and asked for something and God said no? Anybody? Yeah. I have a whole list of prayers that were answered with a no. God is the king. He is the sovereign. He is the most high. And when we have spiritual eyes to see and we have spiritual ears to hear, then our own hearts will be will be changed and we'll be able to understand more. Whatever your situation may be, I want you to know something, and that is this. God can turn it upside down if that's what it takes to turn it right side up. He can overturn things that have been done that were meant for evil against you and meant to be against God's purposes. He can overturn them and he can bring blessing out of things that were even intended to be a curse. He causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. The prophet Isaiah speaks of some of this in Isaiah 54, starting in verse one. Sing, barren woman who has never had a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who have never been in labor. So this is addressed in verse one to, to those women who were yearning for children but had not been able to have them. For the deserted wife will have more children than the woman who is living with her husband, says Adonai. Enlarge the space for your tent and extend the curtains of your dwelling. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Make your tent pegs firm. For you will spread out to the right and the left. Your descendants will possess the nations and inhabit the desolated cities. Don't be afraid, for you won't be ashamed. Don't be discouraged, for you won't be disgraced. God can take situations that seem to be so disappointing or so out of order or so difficult, and he can overturn them, he can flip them. The God of Hafuch, he turns things upside down to set them right. This Shabbat's Haftorah details three exceptionally important aspects of God's nature, his character, his being. Isaiah 54, verse 10. For the mountains may move and the hills be removed. That sounds like Florida. We don't have any hills to speak of. Now, this is talking about earthquakes and, and the earth being shaken. Those things may happen, but the Lord says, my unfailing love will never leave you. And the covenant of my peace will not be removed, says Adonai, who has compassion on you. Three details that are exceptionally important. God has unfailing love. His chesed, his covenant love is unfailing failing. That's what he's declaring. His unfailing love will never leave you. You can count on that. 
And then many English translations say, my covenant of peace, but the Hebrew is slightly different. It says, the covenant of my peace. It's his peace. It's not our peace. It's not the peace that the world can give. It's not even the, the peace that you have on your best days. It's his peace. The covenant of my peace, says the Lord, will not be removed. And then the third detail. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. He has compassion. And compassion is not just a feeling, it's connected with action. The Lord takes action. When he has compassion, healing comes forth. When he shows his compassion, there's deliverance, there's reconciliation, there's restoration, there's provision. His compassion is active. And let it be that our God, the great God of mercy and compassion, turns our impossible situations into blessings. Who could use a hafuch action from the Lord where he turned something He overturns something. He does something useful by completely flipping it. If that's you, just just look up to the heavens and say, Lord, I need you and your unfailing love. I'm counting on you and your unfailing mercy. I'm depending on you, the compassionate God of heaven and earth. And I know this, Lord, you can overturn. You can You can flip, you can turn upside down things that have been meant for harm, and you can bring good out of them. Thank you, Lord, for your power. It's useful to get a hold of things like this and to let things like this get a hold of us so that we can navigate in life. If you ever thought life was going to be easy, By now, you probably know. But if you didn't know, let it be that today you know. Life is not easy. Some people are going, well, that explains a lot. I thought, no. Back in 2009, when we read this week's Torah portion, I gave a message that was entitled, Take a Shovel With You. And it's from this week's Torah portion. And um, the gist of it is is pretty simple. The, The scripture says, when you go to relieve yourselves, go outside the camp, take a shovel with you, dig a hole, do it there, cover it up, and then come back in. Very few people have ever given sermons on this topic or this verse. I've asked around. But I did in 2009, and I I found that podcast, and I listened to it just because it was connected to the Torah portion this week. And I listened to the message, and... Parts of it were hilarious, I have to tell you. But it encouraged me, and I think it will encourage you too. And so I decided to post it on Facebook. It's on um, 
the Beth Israel Facebook page and also on Messianic Jewish Teachings Facebook page. And I put it on Facebook so you could listen to, and I hope you do, because I think it will encourage you and equip you with some things that you might benefit from in, in these days and in this time in your life and in this time in the world. I decided I wasn't going to give a message on that, just a reference, because it'd be better if you listened to that 2009 message. That's what I think. Plus, I tried to write notes on this topic, take a shovel with you, and I couldn't do it. You know, sometimes I, I have a message in mind or I, I, I see something in the scriptures and I want to speak about it and I sit down and there's nothing. And I have often discovered that's because it's not, it's not right for me to try to give that message. So you've been spared a lot of messages over the years. Let's use this month of Elul to face an important issue. You and I can be forgiven, others can too. It's the whole point. The whole point of the Lord coming down, becoming Messiah and Redeemer, dying for us, rising from the dead. There is a spiritual chasm that separates us from the Lord and through Messiah Yeshua, it has been bridged. And we need to muster the courage to cross the bridge. It takes courage, as every Jewish man or woman knows, to open your hearts to Yeshua as Adonai and Messiah, Lord and Savior. And it reminds me of an experience that I had years ago when we lived in Rochester, New York, and a small group of men from our congregation went to Letchworth Park, and we took a hike through the woods for hours. There was a canyon there at Letchworth. We crossed the river, and then we walked for hours and hours. And as the sun was beginning to go down, we realized we had to go back. But to go back the way we came wasn't really possible because we had already hiked for hours. And it turned out that we were near a bridge, which should be good news, except the bridge was a railroad bridge that was still in use by trains. And it was a wooden bridge, and it was 24 stories high, according to the information that I looked up recently, just to verify. Now, here's the other problem. I don't like heights. Some of you are, are like that, too. Uh, some of you like to skydive or, or worse. Some of you don't mind heights at all. Um, even roofers. Climbing out on a roof and roofing makes me nervous. I, I don't like heights. And so I had this dilemma I could either walk back by myself the long way, which would take hours and would be in the dark, and I didn't have a flashlight, so it was impossible, or I could cross the bridge. And 
I was nervous. I, I understood that the only way across the river at that point was the railroad bridge, and because I didn't like the heights, that was one part, but there was a second part to it. Because the bridge was still in use, a train could come at any time. Now, there was a posted permanent speed limit for the train of 10 miles an hour. But that didn't solve anything for me because I imagined I'd get out on that bridge and the train would come. Just to be clear, there was enough room between the tracks and the sides of the bridge that you could stand there and not get run over or hit by the train, but it would be in your face. And that, just being in that situation made me nervous. How many of you don't mind heights? Yeah, look at these heroes, yeah. And how many of you do mind heights? Well, I'm on the do mind. It was my only way, and I don't think anyone else in the group felt the way I did. They were fearful, but I decided I had to do it, and despite my discomfort, I got across, and I was sweating, and I was nervous, but I got across. And I think it's much the same when we face the spiritual chasm between us and God, and we see how big it is. It's much the same when we realize there's only one way across that chasm. It's the way the Lord has provided himself through Yeshua. And for many of us, when we realize that, our first thought is, there must be another way because of the fear. It's fearful. But on the other side, we have peace, we have shalom, we have rest. The word in Hebrew for bridge is gesher. And Rabbi Nachman said, life is a narrow bridge. The whole entire world is a very narrow bridge and the main thing is to have no fear at all. Kol ha'alam kulo gesher tsar ma'od. That's how it begins. The whole entire world is a very narrow bridge. We can cross the chasm that separates us from God. It takes faith, it takes courage, it takes honesty, it takes repentance. Not just feeling bad, but having a change of thinking and attitude, perspective, and direction. And today is a good day. Today is a good day to make a decision to turn to the Lord and to thank him for Yeshua, your Messiah, your Redeemer. Today's a good day also to share the good news of Messiah with someone else who needs the Lord. One of my wife's spiritual disciplines is to read a chapter from Proverbs according to the day of the month. And so yesterday it was Proverbs 9 because it was September 9th. And, the, and this one passage stood out, and I hope it touches you. It's Proverbs 9, verses 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and by the Lord, your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. There were times 
when I'm sure Sarah and Abraham wondered what would life be for them without a child. I think there were times when the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt when they wondered what is life going to be for us. There has been that common experience, I think, for most people where we faced such difficult or challenging situations, we wonder whether our days have been cut short, but I can tell you this, the fear of the Lord can restore those days. Can restore those days so that they will be multiplied and, the, and years of life will be added to you. Maybe you face some kind of threat that has sapped you of life, energy, motivation, hope, and a future, but your God, the God who can flip things, who can overturn things, who can bring good out of what others intend for harm, he can add to you. And the things that may have been stolen from you can be restored. The things that have been seemingly ruined in your life can be renewed. That's resurrection life. And I can tell you this, resurrection life is hafuk. It's upside down. In order to go up, you go down. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign king and you are doing good on our behalf because that is your nature. You have made a covenant of your peace with us and your love will not fail us. Thank you, Lord, for your compassion shown to us day by day, moment by moment, through Messiah Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Would you please rise? We're going to close with Aaron's blessing in just a moment. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? If, if this live stream is a blessing to you, if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast is a blessing to you, if our Beth Israel Messianic synagogue sanctuary services are a blessing to you, or any of our ministries are, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information is at BethIsraelNow.com giving. So we're gonna close with Aaron's blessing, and I have the honor of standing with my Aaron. I like to call him Captain, my captain. But today, my Aaron. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ya'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen.